Today, I'd like to share with you the latest updates out of CDC on the current monkeypox outbreak and new preliminary data on how the Gineos vaccine is performing. Nationally, reported daily cases to continue to decline week over week. Right now, monkeypox cases in the U.S. are going down, which is great news. Daily U.S. infections now average around 200, after peaking at around 450 in mid-August. On Wednesday, the White House monkeypox response team had a briefing where they talked about what has gone right in the last couple of months. This progress is a result of our comprehensive effort to get shots in arms, bring vaccines directly to the impacted, and work closely with groups and communities and health departments to help reduce risk behaviors. The CDC also shared some cautious optimism about the two-dose vaccine that's being used against monkeypox. Scientists found that those who were just a couple weeks out from their first shot had a more than tenfold lower risk of getting monkeypox compared to people who were unvaccinated. But let me be clear, we are not done with this fight. There's still a lot of work to do. We must continue to reach more of the highest risk communities, especially black and brown communities. Even as the monkeypox threat has started to recede, one group is still experiencing the worst of this often painful, invisible disease. As the monkeypox outbreak has been dragging on, you're seeing people of color disproportionately affected. That is health reporter Fennett Mirapil. He says that the people getting most of the vaccines distributed in the U.S. have been white gay men, even though they're not the group that's most at risk. African-Americans made up 38 percent of new cases in the first week of September. And that meant that African-Americans were the most highly affected racial demographic group, more than Hispanics, more than whites, more than Asians. But only 11 percent of those vaccinated for monkeypox are black. So you have this large disparity in who's getting protected against monkeypox and who's getting infected by monkeypox. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Wednesday, September 28th. Today, how one local health department is trying to close the monkeypox vaccine gap. Producer Jordan Marie Smith spoke with Fennett about this health disparity and about one man's ambitious effort to address the problem in his own community. One of the things that really stuck out to me early on in my monkeypox reporting was a black HIV activist who was telling me that he was really worried that we were seeing all this attention on monkeypox, all of this public pressure for the government to do more when you had a lot of white gay men out front on Instagram, on TikTok, going to media outlets, including the Washington Post, and sharing their stories of how the healthcare system is failing them. So you had a lot of visibility to the experiences of the white men who were largely bearing the brunt of monkeypox early in the outbreak, But he was making the argument, what's going to happen as this outbreak changes and as the face of monkeypox changes? Is that attention still going to be there? And is all the resources that come with that attention and pressure going to go away? And is there a particular reason why Black men who have sex with men are more likely to get monkeypox right now? I guess first and foremost, I should say that it's not that there's something different in the sexual practices of black, gay, and bisexual men that make them more susceptible to HIV and other uh, diseases that transmit sexually. One of the factors at play here is that if you're a gay person of color, you tend to have a smaller sexual network. 
This is for a lot of reasons, including segregation, culture, racism, discrimination. But the bottom line is that if you're black or Hispanic, you're more likely to be having sex with other people of color. And so there's just a smaller pool of people here versus if you're a white gay man. If one person gets infected, it's easier for a virus or disease to spread in that community. I mean, think about it kind of like uh, chicken pox in schools. If someone in your classroom gets a uh, chicken pox, you're more likely to get it than if someone in your school gets uh, chicken pox. It's about the amount of people that you're exposed to and the amount of people in your community and in your circle. Fennett, you went to Charlotte, North Carolina to meet someone who was trying to get more Black gay men vaccinated against monkeypox. Why North Carolina in particular? So North Carolina is one of the states that's been at the forefront of being transparent about the racial disparities in monkeypox. Now, with the most recent data, we're at a point where about 67% of the cases are among uh, black people in North Carolina, and 27% of those who are vaccinated are black. So there was a really big disparity here, and, and North Carolina health officials were trying to take it seriously. So there were efforts underway in North Carolina, and in Charlotte in particular, because that's the biggest city in North Carolina. It was the epicenter of the monkeypox outbreak there. So the county health department uh, embarked on this campaign to get more black uh, gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men vaccinated from monkeypox by taking vaccines directly to the community. We do a monkeypox, we do a monkeypox vaccine. I got it. I got it. Don't cut me off. They were actually administering uh, vaccines right outside of nightclubs at events uh, specifically catered towards black gay men. In some ways, it's like you're getting a shot before you go in the club and you're taking shots. So I was out there with health workers as they were approaching people who were coming out to go on the dance floor, party with friends, and then they're making the pitch that, hey, while you're here, you have a great opportunity to get uh, vaccinated for monkeypox, too. The county health department deployed a lot of people on these, but I decided to focus in on one person in particular, and that's Johnny Wilson. We realized that people that were getting vaccinated already were mostly white men. Um, so we noticed that the black population wasn't getting access to the vaccines or wasn't getting the vaccines. So we wanted to make sure, because we're so limited of vaccines that, that we got, that the white population was also getting the vaccines as well. Johnny Wilson is an official at the health department who was just hired in June to oversee HIV-AIDS contracts. But we saw this with coronavirus, too. In a public health crisis, it's an all-hands-on-deck effort. And Johnny came into the health department with expertise from years working in HIV outreach and advocacy. He actually is HIV-positive himself. So when monkeypox came around and they realized that they had a racial disparity in both monkeypox cases and vaccines, he floated the idea, what if we just bring the shots to the clubs themselves? Not just a flyer saying, oh, here's where you can go get vaccinated. Let's let people get vaccinated right outside the club. Because he said the big lesson that he learned from years of HIV advocacy is that you got to get people right there. So when you follow Johnny around, what did you notice? Like, what was his strategy to get people to stop for a second and listen to him basically give outreach about the monkeypox vaccine? 
he was playing it cool and he was pretty casual about it. He would go up to people and basically say, like, we're offering monkeypox vaccines here. He wouldn't necessarily try to go right into a long spiel or a pitch or anything like that, but he would just say that it's available and then he would kind of look look to see what the reaction was. I can use me and my authenticity to kind of persuade somebody to get the vaccine um, and... I can just work it to my advantage and, and well, to our advantage in, in, in a nutshell. And it benefits not only what we're doing out here, but it also benefits him so that the next time he has an interaction, he's not thinking about monkeypox and worrying about, you know, or getting exposed to monkeypox. One of the most common reactions was like, what? Like, we're out at a nightclub, it's midnight, and looking here in the parking lot and there's a bunch of nurses out here giving shots. If felt really incongruous for a lot of people, felt really off, like, huh, they're giving vaccines in the parking lot of a nightclub. So the first hesitancy is that, um, and and I've actually heard this before, is that he's getting a shot on the side of the street, right? And it makes sense, you know, um, so we had to talk about our legitimacy. You know, we are a part of the health department, you know, this is what we do. Um, And we're trying to do, we're doing something a little different, actually, to bring the health to the public. So he would answer that question and be like, yeah, we're legit. We're from the government. It was my idea to do this, to bring the vaccines directly to the community. There were other pitches that he made. Actually, I think one of the ones that uh, stuck out to me that I didn't really think of that much was he would really appeal to people's vanity and say, your face is too beautiful to be having monkeypox lesions all over it. Your skin is popping. You want to keep it that way. Come on, get your vaccine. Like right now. Your, your skin too beautiful and popping to have bumps in your face. Come on, let's go. Man, that's a good point. And that was something that I heard a lot when I was out with the health department is that they've actually found that it's not quite the same with coronavirus vaccines where you had people who were really hesitant about taking a new vaccine. They actually found that people were more worried about monkeypox because it's visible. It's fascinating to me because COVID is actually killing people. Long COVID can create these debilitating symptoms that last for weeks or months, but it was the visibility of monkeypox that really got people. They did not want to be having a rash on their face. After the break, we'll hear how well these outreach efforts in Charlotte actually worked. We'll be right back. So, Fennett, how successful was Johnny in his outreach? Did he come across anyone who said, hey, yeah, I'll get the vaccine? Throughout the weekend, the county health department didn't get as many people as they wanted vaccinated against monkeypox. Across the first two club nights, they had a little bit more than 60 people vaccinated when they had enough uh, vials to vaccinate 300 people. So I saw... uh, the challenges that they faced here as I was following Johnny as he was asking people to get vaccinated. Some people were as easy as the guy that he talked about in that tape there, where all you have to do is just tell people, we got shots here, we got vaccines here. People had already been thinking about getting vaccinated, maybe weren't going out of their way to book an appointment, but when given an opportunity then and there, they're happy to go and get their shot. Other people, they have those qualms. So sometimes it's just as simple as, should I really be getting a shot right before I'm taking shots? And if I'm planning on drinking and partying tonight, other times it's more deep-seated questions about the vaccine itself. 
does it have after effects? Am I going to get really sick if I take this uh, vaccine? Is this vaccine brand new? So those are the kind of concerns that you can be addressing by just answering those questions and just explaining the simple facts. Other times people would tell Johnny things like, I don't get any vaccines, I don't mess around with vaccines, I don't even get my flu shot. And he tells me there's only so much you can do in a situation like that. The other thing that just really stuck out to me when I was following Johnny is that persistence does pay off. There are a lot of people who can sound really aggressive at first and sound really skeptical. But if you maintain your cool, if you stay confident just like Johnny did, if you answer all of your questions, people will agree to get vaccinated. There was one man who was kind of confronting Johnny being like, why are you out here on this black queer space? This is the government intruding on what should be our space. I said, well, I actually coordinated this event. I'm a gay black male myself. So it's not nobody sitting behind the table, a white person sitting behind the table and said, let's go here. It's something that I kind of wanted to do and I thought it was beneficial. Once I said that, he was like, oh, wow, you know, that's amazing. I'm glad that you was able to, to do that. Looking back on all of your reporting, what does it say to you about the state of equitable health care in the country? Well, to me, it's a testament of the importance of representation. Johnny Wilson is a black gay man who's helping to shape uh, the public health response to an outbreak and a public health crisis that's predominantly affecting black gay uh, men and other men who have sex with men. He came to this uh, crisis, he came to this challenge in trying to vaccinate more black gay men with the lived experience of being a black gay man. And he also came to this job with years of professional experience at trying to protect black men from HIV and to get them into treatment. That's where representation comes into play here, where you can acknowledge some of the nuances here that you do have that big group of people who will get vaccinated when given an opportunity to it. And you'll have opportunities to start chipping away at that resistance, to start chipping away at that hesitancy. Because the first time that HIV activists were out at nightclubs offering HIV tests, that was really uh, galling and surprising to people then. Now it's pretty normalized for anyone who goes to a gay club to see the condoms in the bowl or to see uh, the mobile testing bans outside. That's where Johnny and other public health workers are trying to get with monkeypox vaccine. Bennett, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. Bennett Nirapil covers healthcare for The Post. This story was produced by Jordan Marie Smith. It was edited by Ariel Plotnik and Rena Flores. It was mixed by Sean Carter. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening today and always. If you appreciate the stories you hear on our show, it would mean a lot if you could take a minute to rate and review us in your podcast app. It really makes a difference. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.